0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. This is a very interesting day for me. I've I've preached here several times and I'm trying to gather myself before I look at you because it could be waterworks right there. Um... I have personally in my life never felt the weight of God in a moment like I do right now. The reality of God, there's there's not a doubt in my mind of his existence, of of his realness, of his presence here right now. I've never felt it, but it's like he's standing, physically standing right next to me. Um, And so this is... I am so excited because the Lord is, this is a word that he gave me a while ago and he's finally released me to sh- share it with you. And uh, so I am so excited. And uh, you know, Jay had a word for me this morning that could only be from God. I know it didn't originate in Jay. It could only be from God. <laughs> um, and this, this moment when Jay was praying for me, the song, I Won't Go Back, came into my my mind, that's a, that's a special song in this house. But when I sang that line in my head, I won't go back, he said, it's not possible. And all of a sudden I saw, I had this image where I went to turn around and about right here, I bumped into God. Like a wall, there was, there was no way to turn around. He was going to either run me over or I was going to walk forward. And so, and that wasn't for me, that was for us. That was a word for this house, what he's doing. We're not going, we're not taking any steps back. We're not, it's not possible. We can only move forward. He has set himself so firmly and in place that there is no possible way for anyone in this house to move backwards. We're only moving forward. And you know, this is the, this is the second time that I've stood before you in view of a call. The first time uh, was very different. The circumstances I was still in college. I was not even engaged, and I hadn't heard of this place until Kendall mentioned it for the first time. I, didn't, I thought sundown was a time of day. I didn't know it existed on a map anywhere, but I've come to learn that the West Texas people are a very literal people, okay? So sundown, plains, ropes, these are, these are all real places. I didn't know that before I came out here, and I honestly thought it was sundown in Lubbock, I didn't know anything existed around except for farmland. The circumstances were very, very different. But I want to bring you back real quick to this passage. And don't don't flip to it. Just uh, look at it on the board. It's going to be up. But I spoke to you on Judges 2. And this is after Joshua had died and all of that generation had died. And I, I shared with you the vision that the Lord had for the generation that you were calling me to minister to, to the youth. And so I want to read that real quick. We'll start in verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years, and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath, Harris, and the hill country of Ephraim, mountain of Gash, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And it became very clear to me, sitting at Danny Green's house in their guest room, on a bed, it became very clear to me that he was calling me to minister to a generation that had not heard of the wonders of God. Whew. For a second, I didn't want any part of that because that's going to be really, really, really hard. And they've learned a lot of things that are not of God that they believe and have attached to God. But that's what he called me to do. He called me to minister to a generation that had not known him. And you, this house, received that. And you received us and you encouraged us in that ministry. And now this is a different youth. From when I got here, and not because of anything that I've done, but because of what the Lord said He was going to do. He promised that He was going to teach this generation that did not know of God, He was going to teach them about Himself, He was going to reveal Himself to this generation, and He's doing that. And He has so profoundly allowed for those that would minister to this generation into places that they should not be, that they should not be allowed to go. But the Lord made a way. I want to bring our attention to that because we're going to talk about promises here in a little bit. And this was a promise that he made to this house that we were going to go after a generation that did not know him. But now, it's been over five years since I shared that message. Over five years. Circumstances are very different. We are not strangers anymore. Everyone knows me and I know all of you. I have a wife. I have two children. My sister lives here now. I mean, this is, from where we were to where we are now, different. Everyone in my family knows who the Lord calls them to be because of this house and because you received me that day. And our lives do not look anything like they did five years ago, thank God. And as you can tell, um, in my prep for this, there have not been any dry eyes. I, am, I, am not, I would not consider myself a crier. It changed a little bit when I had two children, because that that's the nature of it. Um, but I was telling Jay yesterday, I could not even listen to a song that was reflecting of what the Lord wants to speak today without just falling to my face. Because of what the Lord is leading us into. Yeah. And so let's start talking about that before it gets too out of hand up here. (laughs) Do you guys remember the testimony of Andrew and Lisa? And real quick, we we got to get really excited before, or you're not going to understand what the Lord is doing. You got to get excited. You cannot approach this word today without excitement in your heart. How many of you were there for that testimony? We witnessed a brand new work of God, a miracle beyond explanation in this house, in this place. We witnessed that. We got to see this brand new work unfold before our eyes. And it's, you need to hear this. It's because this house walks under the anointing of power. And because you in here walk in obedience and live in the will of God. Always, that that was possible. And listening to their testimony, Lisa said something. And I've shared this with a few of you individually. But she shared something so profound. And if you were there, the Lord didn't let you miss this part. But she said that when Andrew was coming home, she got to be the father. Running out to meet the prodigal son. Do you remember that? She got to be the father running out to meet the prodigal son. That was powerful. Turn with me to Luke 15. We're going to look at that passage. We're going to read it real quick and then we'll break it down a little bit. But I need you to hear this first. We're going to read all of it. Okay, so bear with me. Luke 15 verse 11 There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and treated him. But he answered his father, look. These many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes and killed the fattened calf for him, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. What the Lord showed me, is that he is leading us into a time where we get to be that father running out to meet the prodigal son. The sons and daughters, the prodigal sons and daughters that are seeking to return home, we get to be that father to run out and meet them. It it blows my mind that he would allow us to be that. That he has been orchestrating for years, for lifetimes, people that would arrive at a place so desperate just to return and that he would choose us to be the ones that meet him not wait for him to walk through the doors but meet them verse 18 I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him father I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son treat me as one of your hired servants how was he returning This prodigal son. Yeah, broken. As a slave. No longer worthy of the title of son, but only worthy of a slave. Never to expect what is the father's to be his again, only to expect what the father would parcel out to him. Believing he was unworthy to be called a son. But, verse 20. And he arose and came up to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father was watching. The father was waiting. It's important for us to recognize that is what we will be doing. We will be watching, waiting, vigilant, just waiting for something to come over the hill that we could run and meet them. He saw him. And he felt compassion and was moved by that compassion. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? We've talked about a specific person that was moved by compassion and did great things. His name was Jesus. Mark 6, 34 says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The word of God. The word of truth that these people had not heard before came because he was moved by compassion. And then in Matthew 14, 14, it says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Had compassion, felt compassion. Their miraculous was performed from that place. Just like it is in this story. Miracles flowed from the Spirit of God through Jesus when he felt compassion. And compassion comes When we exist in the will of the Father, and we see others as the Father does. That's that's compassion's birthplace. When I exist within the parameters of the will of God for my life, and if you exist in there, you cannot see anybody else but for who God sees them, who God says that they are. And in that place, knowing that that's not where they're at, but seeing who God has created them to be, we're moved by compassion, we go to them. But it was not just that the father ran out to him. He was moved by compassion. He ran out to him and he hugged him and he kissed him. But the story would not matter if that's where it stopped. It wouldn't. Because there's still a mentality that exists in that son. Right there in that place, he's received a greeting that has surprised him, I'm sure. But the slave mentality is not left. The brokenness is still there. But we see in verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. He immediately met him. Didn't really even allow him to finish his thoughts. Didn't even respond to the thought of a slave. Before he clothed them in identity. Clothed them in power and authority. We know, having studied this over a long period of time, we know what that ring means. That ring in that time, when you place that ring on your, on your son's finger, it means that all that is mine is yours. He just squandered his inheritance and he's just given him, the Father has given him, everything I have is still yours. Clothed them in an identity that represented their house. These robes were significant because it showed where you came from, who you were from, who has sent you. He clothed them with identity. He put shoes on his feet that he wouldn't walk in the dirt anymore. He would no longer be a slave from this point on. He would be my son who has returned home and we would only celebrate. We wouldn't talk about the things that he's done over here. We would celebrate him as if he was dead and now he's alive because that's all it is. When people are returning home desperate for what they were created for, and everyone, I believe it, will yearn for what they were created for. That's why we have all the vanities in the world that we have. Trying to fill something. What am I made for? That's the question that keeps theologians talking all the time. What is the purpose? What is the meaning of life? And we try to fill it with so many things. And we see that in our society. We go out those doors. It's people pursuing something, not knowing that they're just pursuing what they were made for. Guess what? We got the keys to that answer. That's a simple answer for us. People have studied their entire lives asking and trying to understand that question. But we have the answer, and it's a simple one. You were made for God. You were made for the Father. And this is who you are. We get to be those that would run out and meet them, immediately clothe them in who God has created them to be. God has called them and the father will give the best of himself to the son every time every time I know there are us in here that have gone astray and have come back did we find a different God when we came back in the negative way I know that I've come back and I found a different God but misunderstanding of God was dealt with in these faraway places and I would come back he had never left But my understanding was totally different, that he was good and he loved me. That's that's abiding faith. That's the first gift of faith that you get at the moment of salvation. No one believes in God of their own accord. It's a gift of faith that we could then believe in him. And that faith is abiding faith. It's the simple thought that God is good and he loves me. And I know that to be true right now because I've encountered it for myself. And that's what we see. That's what we get to run out and give people and clothe them in is that they would recognize that we are running out to show them God is good and he loves you. Period. Don't care what happened on your journey up here or what's caused you to come this way, but God is good and he loves you. But in this vision, there is no room for the older brother. 25 through 32. Now his older son was in the field and he's as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends." But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. There's no room for the older brother. He's living for the father from a place of slavery and comparison. How can we go out to rescue those that are broken if we're living in comparison and slavery ourselves? There's no room for that because in that place you can't give away what you don't have. How can I clothe the prodigal son and daughter running home if I myself am not clothed in truth, power, and authority. If I myself do not know who God has called me to be. We can't, we can't do that. can't be that. You know, the Lord showed me this, this morning. It was funny. Um, I, I love teaching. I especially love teaching these smaller groups um, he does it often when I'm teaching kids. He, he will give revelation in the middle of the conversation. You guys ever had the, one of those moments where you're talking and all of a sudden you understand something? Woo! And the emergency room vision for this place is still intact. But he's just added an ambulance service now. That's all it is. God is still doing what he said he was going to do. He's still building what he said he was going to build. And everything that he said back here that's existed up to this point still goes forward. God's word does not return void and it does not stop. It would be like the sun just all of a sudden didn't turn on one day. God said, let there be light. So there's light, period. God spoke that this would be an emergency room, so it's an emergency room, period. But now we get to run out. The thing about an emergency room, not everybody can walk through the doors. They want to. If you're seriously injured, you know where you got to go. You don't have the means to get there. We get to be those running out to rescue and bring them home. And that should make a lot of sense. Because Jesus, after all, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling the world to himself. What was broken... Bringing back together, restoring, bringing restoration, redemption. That's the ministry we've been given. Go to Second Corinthians 5. This is just the passage that talks about this ministry of reconciliation. We'll start in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That sounds familiar. We sang that, didn't we? The Lord is calling us to be the father running to meet the prodigal sons and daughters seeking to return home. And entering into this, the Lord spoke last week, sitting on those drums in practice, that he's bringing us to a place where what is written on our heart is yes and amen, and that's all that you'll find there. Yes and amen, yes and let it be, that he would lay out his plans before his people, and we would just simply say yes and let it be. And in this, the really exciting thing in this was that he showed me in this place promises were answered. Long and forgotten promises were coming swiftly and being answered in this time. He's bringing us into a season where the promises we've been waiting for are being answered now. If the the position of our heart is yes and amen. But that blessing comes as we operate as the Father. One blessing unlocks another. An act of obedience. He has to wait for us to get to these places before He can release certain blessings. It's just like with marriage. He can't release the blessing of marriage to a non-married couple. It's in making that covenant that then the blessings can be released. And it's in operating in the vision of the father running to meet the prodigal son that the promises can be answered. Forgotten promises are coming swiftly. And you know, it's important for us To remember the promises of God on this house. And there are big promises over this house. Big promises. Promises that you really can't even comprehend what that's going to look like. But it's so important for us to recognize those promises because the Lord every day is building the answer to those. Some of these promises he can't just answer like that, he's got to build it over years and years and years. How many of you remember when the when the Lord spoke through Randy that he was building a highway of holiness? Oh man. Building a highway of holiness. And I was simply this morning just marking the places for all the scriptures that we were gonna be in today. And I needed the little ribbon. It comes pre made in your Bible, it's so nifty. Most of us forget about it. And I whip it open because I need it to mark another scripture. And wouldn't you know, a promise of God was sitting right there. So necessary for us to understand before we can move forward with anything else that he's laying out. So in Isaiah 35, I ask you just to listen. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf un- deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs, up, uh, springs of water In the haunt of jackals where they lie down the grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there and that shall be called the way of holiness. Listen to this. And what the Lord has highlighted, he wants to do. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on (coughs) it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return. And come to Zion with singing everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. He's built a highway of holiness. He told us years ago that he was doing that. He's done that. We've seen that. Andrew and Lisa don't get here without that highway. A lot of us, myself included, don't get here without that highway of holiness. But now, the ransomed of the Lord are returning. The prodigal sons and daughters are returning. And we get to meet them. We get to be the ones that go and meet them and clothe them with truth and identity and power and authority. I want you to recognize that's a promise answered. When he spoke that he was building that highway of holiness... That's promise answered. Andrew and Lisa are, are promise answered. You are that highway that he has built. And now we get to run out and meet those walking on it to return back to Zion. We get, we get to not wait for them to come through the doors. We get to go meet them and bring them through the doors ourselves. You know, I imagine that's what heaven's like. I don't imagine on your ascend to heaven, just all of a sudden the doors open and there you're, you're there. Man, I bet you're met with a welcoming party all the way in through the gates, running to meet you because we are overjoyed. They are overjoyed that you have come home. That's what we get to be. We get to be heaven here on earth. The father running out to meet the prodigal sons and daughters. And all it takes is us saying yes and amen. That's all he's asked of us. To live in a place of yes and amen. That When I think of, you know, it's, it's hard for me sometimes to play those drums. Not in a negative way, but because I just think of all that the Lord has done. To bring me to this place where I'm playing those drums. I'll never forget moving to Houston, Texas. And hating everything about it. But loving to play the drums. And trying out for the worship band. The junior high worship band. And all of them said no. You had to try out. There was an audition. But one man said there's something about this. We have to let him. And It was that one man... And that one decision has allowed me to be here. The Lord is good to those that just say yes and amen. And there are so many people in my life that have just said yes and amen, not understanding any bit of it, but just saying yes and amen. I'm here because of that. Now we get to be that for others. Just seeing them as God sees them, saying yes and amen, as we clothe them in that, oh, man, that's so exciting. That's so powerful. That's so overwhelming. That we get, we get to be that. I can't, I can't get away from that. You guys understand that we get to be that, right? Are you hearing me? We get to be those that would welcome back those that are desperate for God. And we don't have to sit and wait. We get to go out to them. We get to run out to them. That's awesome. That's so... That's so wonderful. And that he would use this place to do it. I'm telling you, I've been all over the world. I've never seen this place. I've never seen the authority and power of God that just rests like it does in this place. Man, you that have been in other places know what we're talking about. It don't exist everywhere. And the Lord has called us for such a time as this to do the next great thing. And we can't go back. It's not even an option. He's standing right behind us. He's building something that is beyond understanding, beyond what has ever happened before. He's doing a new thing, and we get to be a part of that. And I'm just, I'm overwhelmed at any part that I get to play in it. Sarah and I are overwhelmed at any part that we get to play in this move of God because it is a move of God. He is establishing his kingdom here on earth. The kingdom of heaven exists now. We don't have to wait to see it. He's building it now. And he's using this house to do it. What an honor. Lord, we just we thank you for everything in this morning. We thank you for, we thank you for not dealing gently with us. That you would just not even allow us to turn back but only allow us to move forward. Thank you for that. Lord, thank you for what you're building. Thank you for what you're establishing here in this place, the church in Sundown. Thank you for what you're building. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a yearning to run out to meet the prodigal sons and daughters. Just as the father in this story had, I pray that we would ever be watchful, ever patient. Lord, and that we would be moved by compassion and we would run, not wait, we would run to those that are seeking to return home because we were all made for you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing here. Thank you for what you're building. Thank you for who you've called to build it. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.